Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Dan Malone who's also hailing all the way from Dublin, Ireland. Dan, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Ryan. Dan, chuffed to have you. Typical fashion of the show for any regular listeners Listeners will know, we're going to get to understand who you are before we jump into it. It is what you do and why you do it. Um, if I've done my research correctly, uh, you went to secondary school around the Sandyford area, so I'm going to assume you grew up around that area as well. I did indeed. Born and raised in Ballantyre, Dublin, Ireland. Talk to me about what life was like growing up in volunteer yeah fairly standard fairly standard suburban upbringing um i'm fairly fortunate in the sense that a lot of my very close friends and family are were all located in this this locale my parents originally lived in north inner city dublin when i was born for two years then moved back here to to volunteer again that's where kind of all the family was that's where we were kind of growing up went to school primary school literally two minutes away from my house went to secondary school in St. Benildas in Kilmacud which is about 10-15 minutes from my house again and yeah kind of just I'm still still living here I like the area but uh, it was quite enough very standard upbringing not not too much going on very much kind of just getting in doing your work in school having a bit of crack on the weekends and stuff like that and then obviously when I got a bit older then I went off to uh, to UCD where I started into the, the business and finance side of things. I do want to touch on the UCD sort of things, but mm-hmm. you mentioned the close-knit family. And and when I've asked people this question in the past around, you know, they can like talk to their close-knit family, or particularly around kind of like pinpointing two or three people who had a massive influence on you growing up in your early years that have helped you become the person you are today. And perhaps it's not even someone who's a close family member. It could have been a, a, a primary or secondary school teacher mm. or an acquaintance. Does any one or two people spring to mind for you? And if they do, who are they? Yeah, I suppose it's kind of two sides to that. I mean, first of all, I'm an only child, right? So I don't have any brothers and sisters. So it's just me, me myself, my mom and dad. So in terms of like just general guidance and like understanding how to hold yourself and like being a good person, all that kind of stuff, lots of inspiration from my my mom and dad. My mom is the most caring person I know. She'll always go out of her way for others. And I really, really respect that. And then my dad is a super hard worker, has worked so hard to provide for our family. And again, I take very big inspiration from those two kind of components and then obviously growing up because I was only an only child I put a lot of uh reliance on my cousins who were like the same age as me and then also my friend group and so again I'd be very very close with a very small number of people but those kind of people I look to for guidance I look I really respect their opinion they'd be the first people to tell me if I'm doing something wrong but equally they're the kind of people who would share my successes as if they were their own. And I really respect that. And I do that for them as well. That's that's kind of the people I like to surround myself with. Awesome. Well, big shout out to your parents. Um, you did touch on UCD. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, so why was it BCom that you chose to, to study? Yeah, this is, again, a strain. I suppose this comes down to the failings of the, the Irish uh, secondary school system in terms of uh, guidance counselling. But I actually didn't do any business subjects at all for the leaving cert i was really into history and geography and kind of essay based subjects and really when it was coming up to cao time didn't know what i wanted to do didn't really want to fully commit to doing like history in college or geography in college because i just thought 
even though I enjoyed those subjects in school, I couldn't really see myself in a career in those spaces. So mm. I suppose what, what I liked about BCom in UCD was it was extremely broad. So you have everything from obviously finance, accountancy, marketing, management, human resources, supply chain management, all sorts of stuff that is very encompassing of just the wider business ecosystem. So from my point of view, I was like, right, if I do this, there's surely going to be something here that I like, and I can kind of specialize in that and then see where I go from there. But there was no kind of grand plan. Like I'm going to go do this. And then this is how it's going to be for the next 10 years. I kind of just took a leap of faith and, and went for it. Seems to have paid off, man. You've, you've then gone on through a, a master's in accounting and, and mm. if I'm looking at your LinkedIn here, you've gone on to do a number of things with the ACA accounting, Irish tax Institute, QFA. Mm. Um, after you finished UCD, the masters, you then started working at PwC. Mm. You spent, I'm going to say just over, just over three years there. I want to dive into some of your previous roles before we dive into Dan Malone today and PwC and Mustard are two of those roles. I'll explain Mustard later on to the listeners, but the area of PwC I want to dive into is I imagine life working at a a business like PwC is completely different to your day-to-day reality in 2022. Mm. Um, Talk me through some of the lessons you learned, perhaps behaviors or skills that you took from PwC that you've carried with you to today to help you build the brand that is Dan Malone. Absolutely. Uh, quality is 100% going to be the biggest thing there because so just for further context in PwC specifically, what I was doing was I was working in asset wealth management. So my day-to-day job was auditing the financial statements of some of the biggest investment funds in the world. So that's kind of where my interest in investing came from. So I was looking at huge billion dollar, multi-billion dollar pension funds, uh, investment funds, ETFs, mutual funds, and got exposure to every type of investment in there. So I got the opportunity to work with some fantastic people, some fantastic managers, some fantastic partners. And on some of my larger jobs, really the importance of quality was like paramount. So the whole idea was someone, we would, we would do these testing procedures over different financial statement line items on a set of financial statements for for a fund and the idea was that if you were doing a a bit of testing over a certain item someone should be able to come in look at your work understand exactly why you were doing that work how you did it and the conclusions you drew from it without ever having looked at that particular bit of work before and even if they had very very minimal experience in the field and if you if you were able to do that that was a sign that the work was done very very well So one of the biggest calling cards of Malone Financial and the YouTube channel that I do today is everything has to be done and explained very, very well to a high quality standard, but you also have to be able to understand it as if it's your first time looking at it. And that was, that's the number one thing I took from PwC is how you bring quality, but also ease of understanding to what you're producing. One of the questions I had for you later on in the podcast was around a commonly kind of held standard or belief within the industry that you operate in that you passionately disagree with. And perhaps it is kind of that where a lot of the advice or information out there doesn't meet those standards. Yeah. I think, I think for me, like when when I'm looking at traditional financial institutions and financial advisors, and I suppose the way in which the industry has been for the last 30, 40, 50 years. And mm. how I kind of try to differentiate with what I'm doing now is 
there was a lot of smoke and mirrors before. There was a lot of conflict of interest. There was a lot of people trying to make money off of people's perhaps naivete towards personal finance, investing, and everything else that goes with that. And now with the age of information and how easy it is to click a video, I think that has to all go. And the reason why I kind of have a, a strong opinion on how financial institutions and how financial advisors position themselves in this space relative to where we are now, like the TikTok and YouTube, is because I just don't think the industry has to be this way anymore. I think it's it can be a lot more straightforward. And I think we have to be embracing new forms of, of communication and, and new forms of quality and standards if we really want to get there. 100%. Not to spend too much time on the next uh, role, um, but you were co-founder of, of, of Mustard. Um, I'm curious, what was one kind of key highlight lesson? It could have been a negative that you now see as a positive months later or um, a, a, a learning curve that you went through that has, again, helped you in building the empire that is Dan Malone. Yeah, I think with Mustard and you know, both my, my co-founders would agree that it was the we set out with a vision and that vision was to just make pension investing easier for Irish investors. And then eventually for people in Europe. And we were very, very passionate about that objective, but we didn't really understand the scale of the challenges that would come with that. And, you know, over time, when you're trying to build something, you discover those challenges and then you overcome them. Uh, ultimately that we had to succumb to the challenges for, we could talk about that for an hour, but I think for me anyway, it was kind of just understanding that, you should probably say yes to everything, figure out how you're going to do it later. And if it doesn't work out, just learn from what, like why it didn't work out and then bring that to the projects that are still going and still working. So, you know, um, there's a whole pile of things that are happening right now for me that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't said yes to mustard. Uh, so I am more than happy to just say yes to things, face the challenges and, and overcome them and then take the learning points from that. I love that. Now you're operating Malone Financial. Rather than me give the elevator pitch or 30 second commercial, whatever you want to call it, you do a much better job because it's your baby. So yeah, the mic is yours. Yeah. So look, as I said earlier, the whole premise behind Malone Financial is really just demystifying personal finance and making it super accessible to anyone of every age group. Um, and and gender is also very important as well. We we touch on gender quite a lot on my channel because. Up until now, investing and personal finance has always been quite a, a male-dominated role in the households, especially for the last 30, 40 years. And there's tons of research by great researchers like Anna Maria Lusardi, who shows that, you know, it's really, really important that we're engaging females in the conversation about investing and pensions because they are some of the most vulnerable in our society in terms of not having enough money there available to, to support them in the future. So really, again, my my content is meant for absolutely everyone in society it's 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 not you don't have to have any sort of um prerequisite knowledge to watch it you can click onto one of my videos today on the 19th of september 2022 and you that might be the first video you ever watch on my channel and i promise you that you will get as much value out of that one single video than if you had watched every single one of my videos from day one and what i mean by that is i'm always always focusing and always super cognizant that I want to avoid all terminologies, all jargons. It's super conversational, super accessible information about finance. And again, that's the only way we're going to move forward for solving the problems that, are, that our society is facing when it comes to personal finance. What's the business model? The business model for Malone Financial is 
two pronged at the moment. So first of all, you have your classic YouTube ad sensor, YouTube ad revenue that generates from, you know, watch time, right? So user clicks on video, user gets presented with X amount of ads that they're, that are displayed. And then those ads convert into revenue for creators like me. So obviously in the earlier days of the channel, that revenue is slower because you have lower subscriber base, you have lower watch time, et cetera, et cetera. But over time that starts to compound quite quickly and can be quite a significant source of revenue. At the moment, my main source of revenue and kind of the, the leading income driver in the business model is doing kind of collaborative work with financial institutions. So for example, last summer, I did work for a company called Book Zero, who are one of the leading and fastest growing neo brokers in Europe. So they are an investment platform, right? So the likes of DeGiro, Trading212, they're a challenger platform to those, to those platforms. So they get in touch with me and they say, hey, Dan, we have this product. We have a consumer base that isn't as educated as we would like them to be around just a general ecosystem. And we want our product to be associated with a better understanding and, and a more healthier association or relationship with with investing so i said cool so i went over to them and we spent the better part of a day and a half two days shooting really again super easy to understand really informative content around investing and how this particular platform could help the user in achieving their goals etc cetera, etc cetera. so finance institutions will come to me and they'll say we understand that the market is changing the way people consume information is changing and we want you to help us to package our products in such a way that it's resonating with young people and the, the barriers are being torn down because let's be honest, like in the case of financial advisors, like our generation doesn't want to pick up the phone to order a takeaway, let alone get on the phone to talk to some lad about setting up a pension or investing. Right. So it has to be made as, and people have limited time as well. That's why the likes of TikTok and attention spans and things like that are getting shorter and shorter. So it's really all about how finance, financial institutions enter the new age and sell their products in a, in a, in a manner that's kind of more up to date. So I imagine that if you want to land more of those clients than the future, it will help if you have a larger audience. For example, the larger the YouTube channel, the better it is for you. The larger the TikTok channel, the better it is for you. So how's, how important is it for you to stay on top of where your uh, followers or subscribers are? Mm, quite. And I think as well, like trends are obviously going to be very important, right? So like trend jacking is one of the, one of the most established ways to kind of get big on YouTube, right? So you, you make videos based on trending items in your particular niche. So the likes of Graham Stefan and Andre Gik, who are two American personal finance YouTubers, they found a lot of, a lot of success doing that. So a lot of Graham's videos, he, he might upload two or three times a week and he will focus specifically on news items that are developing in that week or the previous week. So it might be something to do with, you know, uh, the Federal Reserve in the US has increased interest rates again. Inflation data in the US is worse than expected. And he'll talk about the ramifications of that, not only just for inflation and interest rates, but he'll also tie in things like property prices and you know, the housing market and the stock market and cryptocurrencies, things like that. So, you know, you, you can really making sure that your subscriber base stays, stays loyal to you, you really have to kind of define what kind of personal finance YouTuber you want to be. Mm. At the start, I was a combination of both, I think, informative kind of more explanatory content with a small bit of, small bit of like relevant new, news items. I think now as my YouTube channel has matured, I'm investing a lot of time in talking about like news items that are, that are coming out and the realities, like literally just before this podcast, I've just recorded a video talking about how 
the European Central Bank's decision to increase interest rates is going to affect people's mortgages because that's actually something that people are really worried about and they want to know information about that. So I will keep up to date with trends. I'll also keep up to date with just topics that are interesting to me. Um, I don't really focus too much on, on worrying too much about, oh, if I post this, my, my subscriber might disappear. At the end of the day, my channel is my channel. And the reason why it's been successful today is because I'm making videos that I enjoy. Um, so I don't think I'll ever change my YouTube channel just for the sake of, of keeping subscribers or trying to keep people happy because that's just not what I'm about. I do imagine there's a lot of work that goes into building a YouTube channel though. Um, and, yeah. and, and I don't know how much my audience knows uh, varying different levels depending on who, who's listening of what it takes to build a YouTube channel. One of the things I noticed on your channel was the time put into thumbnails. Mm. Those that aren't aware, can you talk to me the benefit of you putting up a a, 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 a good quality title and thumbnail in comparison to just leveraging whatever YouTube gives you. Yeah. I mean, like again, and starting off, this was something I just didn't really understand. So if you go back to my very first couple of videos, the thumbnail is super, super basic. It's again, just, just for clarification, the thumbnail is the image you see before you actually click into the, the mm. video on, on YouTube. So um, at the start, like I had, I would just have like a blue background with like white text and maybe a picture of my face and, that will be it. Um, the benefit of having well-edited, eye-catching, nice contrasting color, high-quality thumbnails, and also a title that's interesting, is that it drives people to your video. Now, a lot of people incorrectly automatically associate this with being quote-unquote clickbait. Clickbait is really where you have a really attractive title and thumbnail, but you don't have the content that backs it up. So yes. it's a really a fine line that you have to walk. If you don't have a good thumbnail and title, people just won't give your video any time of day. They won't click into it. It doesn't matter. It could be the best video in the world. If you don't have a good title and thumbnail, people just won't even click into it to see it. Equally, if your content isn't good enough, your viewer will click into the video because you have a good title and thumbnail, but they won't stay for more than 10, 15 seconds because they'll automatically know this is clickbait. I've been sold a lie. And YouTube's algorithm will see that and they just won't recommend your video anymore and it will just die in the water. So you really have to walk this fine line between the two in order to have a successful video. Well, I imagine you've played with a ton of different tools over the last two plus years since you've started Malone Financial and before that as well. Mm. What's one tool, and it doesn't have to be a finance tool, that you just can't live without? I think for me, I mean, if like, again, I, I will err on the side of finance because, you know, staying up to date with news items has been huge for me. So Seeking Alpha, if you don't know, Seeking Alpha is a financial news outlet tool uh, that you can use. It's, it's both web platform and mobile based. And it's not just like news, art, like news articles, it's opinion pieces. It is a platform that allows you to input your own investment portfolio into it so that you get news about you know um the different stocks that you hold it will tell you like all different breaking news items about like interest rates inflation etc cetera, etc cetera, opinion pieces it's like a one-stop shop for everything personal finance i haven't really been able to live without that as a creator as an investor and just someone who's interested in finance so you know if there's anyone who's interested in getting involved or open their their finance knowledge that has been one tool 
in terms of actually like building the the channel i surprisingly don't use a whole pile of tools i've started using vidiq lately and effectively that's just a plug in where you can click into a youtube video and you can see like what tags the creator used on their video and if those tags were successful and the tool will like automatically give it a search engine optimization rating and then you can kind of do things to your video to make sure that you're you're given the best chance to do well so i use that as well but outside of kind of youtube stuff really seeking alpha has been a great tool for me interesting so i mentioned um and i know you've got a link tree with a link to that in and i'll put links to your youtube your linkedin your instagram and, and your link tree below wherever people are listening or watching this but i've mentioned or i've asked you about your favorite tool is there a non-negotiable habit that you've got to do every single week staying on top of not only video production and video scripts but also idea generation so i originally at the beginning had a tendency where i would come up with six or seven ideas that were very very strong contenders to make it into a video and i would have them there and over time over the course of x amount of weeks i would then start to produce the video scripts and the video format for those ideas but what i found was i was kind of neglecting idea generation sometimes i would generate ideas in one session and not come back to them again for a couple of weeks and i would just work on those scripts but but in the meantime there were new news items coming out there was new potential ideas floating about that i weren't wasn't capitalizing on because i wasn't generating ideas and i wasn't actively thinking so i really i i assign time every single day even if i know for the next four months i have this solid amount of ideas that i want to work on i'm still putting in the hours thinking of new ideas because ultimately like better ideas equals better story equals better video equals better retention equals better watch time. It's literally this mad compounding effect. So it all starts with the idea and I'm really, really investing lots of time every day into idea generation. I like that. Two final questions for you. What's your personal definition of success? Personal definition of success is being happy with what you're doing, being comfortable that you are in the right place and are happy to keep going and building what you have in front of you. I think for me, one driving factor I have to be a successful YouTuber is the freedom it allows me to have. There was a, a really great moment this summer. I was down with my girlfriend in Wexford in Art of Mine and we were kind of she has like a her granny has like a little small house down there and we were kind of sitting on the decking and she went off for a walk with the dog and I was kind of sitting there on my laptop uh like writing a script for a video and this was like a tuesday midweek not a bank holiday or anything like that and i just looked around and i was like this is this is great you know i can just i'm sitting here it's lovely weather i have to see beside me total tranquility and i'm just working on my business working on my videos and for me if i can build this thing that i love doing to a point where all i need to do is earn enough to sustain myself at that level that's success to me man i don't i don't need anything else than that i just the freedom to do the, the freedom to take a random walk on a Tuesday without having to ask permission to that's that's it fantastic answer final question and I'm going to change it I, I typically ask this question at the end of the podcast but I, I feel like your answer I already know it so if you were brought back into your secondary school to give a talk to the students what would the topic be how to spend more time investing how to invest more time doing what you love. Sorry, I tried to get the, the correct wording for that. And what I mean by that is, I think, and this goes back to me 
choosing BCom because I didn't know what else to do. Um, I think at least when I was leaving school, there was a, a conception that everyone just had to go into college straight away and get into this course and you do this and then you get a job and then you're going to go do that job and then you're going to work through the ranks and, and that will be you. I think nowadays we need to be encouraging kids who are in school that like, you know what, you can actually do really, really well going down alternative paths. Mm-hmm. There has never been a better time in human history to be building a business that is your own, especially in the creator economy, especially in the digital economy. How many people are going viral on TikTok from one video and are literally creating careers? You know, we live in an age where you can get paid more money from being an amateur cook in your kitchen at home than you can be from being a Michelin star chef. Mm. And that's, that's, that's no word of a lie. And I think we need to be teaching that to kids at a younger level and saying, you know what, if you have passions around music, around gaming, around finance, around just being a creator in general, you really want to be investing time when you can at a younger age. And you know what, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You can always go back to do whatever else later, but you can't really get those years back if you don't try. 100%. Dan Malone, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I'll leave links, as I said, to everything we've mentioned, including all your social channels below, wherever people are listening and watching to this. But for today, thanks again for being my guest, and I wish you continued success. Cheers, Rain. If your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby.